just going to take a second um, to just kind of introduce and share a little bit uh, about uh, the gentleman that's going to stand on this stage and uh, share the gospel, share the word of God with us this morning. Um, and so, Jimmy, if you'd join me up here. Um, Jimmy, I've known Jimmy, oh man, probably for what, about four or five years, three, four years, something like that. Um, had the privilege and honor of doing some student ministry uh, things with Jimmy. And, um, uh, and then after he kind of moves away from student ministry, goes into FCA, uh, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He's one of the local uh, reps for that here in the area. Um, and so just does a lot with the schools, a lot with sports teams and coaches. And, um, and so just uh, our heart as a church is we want to support people who are pouring into and taking the gospel uh, to our community. And so we had the opportunity to support him and partner with him through FCA. And, um, and so it was probably about, uh, about six, seven months ago, um, we are in an ordination council for our student pastor, and Jimmy's a part of that. Um, and so for us, our heart here at New Life is to be serious about making disciples. And so we're trying to uh, get some things uh, organized better, put together better. We've launched out some groups. We've got groups on Sunday morning. Uh, we've got women's group on a Tuesday night. We have um, another women's group that meets Sunday, uh, Thursday morning. Uh, we've got couples groups that meet on uh, Wednesday night. So we, we're, we're trying to uh, get back into uh, having life groups and, and just doing life together and uh, going through God's word and working through God's word and just letting it kind of shape us and mold us. And um, so I'm sitting in that ordination council and, and after we finish um, uh, kind of just asking Austin questions and uh, some things like that and just getting to kind of know Jimmy even at a deeper level through that uh, I begin to pray um, because again for us we, we want to be very very intentional very very serious about making disciples who make disciples and for us we believe that a small group um, is a great great vehicle that aids in that and so um, so just begin to pray after that and I, I go to our trustees and say hey guys there's, there's some things on my heart uh, I've, I've kind of identified someone that I think may be a, a great fit for us here uh, to, to come on staff and to be a part of overseeing that, that ministry, that, that scope in that area of ministry. And so uh, we begin to pray, and, and Jimmy and his wife actually start to come a little bit, uh, start to kind of navigate over here to New Life, and they've been here probably since January. Um, and they went through some trainings and just kind of got to know them even more. Our trustees got to know them even more. And so just after praying through all that, we uh, sat down with them and began to have conversations. And, hey, man, um, would this be something you'd be interested in, in overseeing, taking on, and, and letting that be uh, a ministry that, that you oversee and becoming on staff here at New Life? And after praying and just seeking the Lord in that and um, said, yes, God, I'd love to. Love, love that opportunity to, to be able to partner up with, with New Life in that capacity and uh, oversee that scope of ministry. And so uh, Jimmy's actually going to be sharing. He shared here before, uh, but he's actually going to be preaching this morning, and, and like I said, um, he is coming on staff with us to oversee uh, our discipleship uh, area, as well as some mission stuff there, kind of be a, a point, yeah. And so, um, man, I'm just, I'm just excited. So I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray. And then after service, they, him and his wife and, and little Maddox will be out in the lobby. You can kind of come and, and get to know them, say hey to them. I, I know probably many of you have seen them around and talked to them and been in group with them and different things, but um, I'm just going to pray for him this morning, uh, and then uh, I'm going to turn him loose to, uh, man, work us over. Give, give, us, give us what God's Word says. And so, um, so you join me as we pray this morning. Father, we, uh, we love you and we thank you, God. I just thank you uh, for Jimmy and his heart, God, for his family, for McKenna, uh, Little Maddox, God, uh, the opportunity for them to, to join us here uh, in, in this leadership capacity, Father, to, to oversee ministry and, and to, to just help us, uh, Father, be more obedient, help us be more in line. Uh, with who you are and what you've asked your church to be. And so, Father, I just um, I thank you so much for his friendship, Father, over the last few months, getting to know him and just the conversations I've been able to have. And, uh, Father, I feel like even the growth in me as a result of, of having uh, him in my life, I just thank you so much for him and 
uh, again, his family. Father, I pray you move this morning. God, I pray you bless. God, I pray you just, uh, as, as, as your words proclaim, Father, that you would just use him in a mighty way uh, to, to say whatever it is that you need to say, that you want to say to us. Father, shape us, mold us all the more into the image of your son. Uh, and Father, we're excited to see what you're going to do uh, in him, in his family, uh, in us. God, as a result of this, Father, just uh, again, thank you so much. Even for FCA, Father, I pray you continue to bless and move and work there uh, in a mighty, mighty way. Father, we, uh, we thank you and we praise you so much. Uh, Lord, we, we love you. We need you. Shall we pray? Amen. Mr. Jimmy McFarlane. I'm glad that prayer was short, Scott, because our body heat combined together right there was, was getting a little uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I want to I want to thank y'all uh, first and foremost because um, the whole time that we were here getting to know y'all, my wife and I, and then of course our our son Maddox, um, I want to thank y'all for loving us um, because we've uh, been in in ministry for for over eight years full time now, and it's hard to find a place where we can come and be and be loved on and treated normally. Um, if anybody's ever been in ministry, you know what I'm talking about because there's there's always kind of a oh well they're they're you know but please uh, please and thank you um, continue we 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 value the friendships that we've developed already and we're thankful for those friendships um, surprise to my small group apologies but look forward to still kind of working and hanging out with y'all and uh, getting to know y'all more too on Wednesday nights um, and I'll say this. That if you are a believer and a follower of Christ, um, He has not called us to walk alone. Um, and we are called to walk together. And Sunday morning alone is not enough nourishment for you to fight the fight of faith throughout your week. Yes, you need to be in the Word daily, and we're going to be talking about that. But this is kind of the pre-sermon before the sermon. But you need to be involved with fellowship with other believers. And one of the greatest ways you can do that is through small groups. And if you walk out this door today to your right-hand side, there's a bulletin board with everything set up. There's a small, we have small groups meeting different times during the week, life groups um, during t- at different times during the week. We have an all-women's group, all uh, different things. Uh, just go check it out, get involved. And if you don't see one that you can't get involved, come talk to us and we'll look into what we can do to take steps to start one or, or maybe help you out getting one going to where we can uh, have a group at a time that's convenient for you so you can grow in your relationship with the Lord and be in fellowship with other believers. But as I was talking and as I was thinking, Scott approached me a couple weeks back and he said, hey, you're going to kind of, I want you to speak on this Sunday and it's the Sunday after Easter. And I was like, thanks, man. Um, that's kind of a hard, hard act to follow there. Uh, the Sunday after Easter, no pressure, right? Um, but he, I said, okay, well, he, he, I knew kind of where he was going Easter Sunday with kind of the gospel-centric message. Um, and I said, okay, where are you going? What, what are you doing next week? He said, well, I'm starting a, a we're going to be starting a series talking about spiritual gifts. I was like, okay, even greater. Thank you so much. This is going to be awesome. Um, and, I said, and, and I began to pray about it, and, and I, a couple days later, I called Scott back, or, or it may even been in the same conversation, I'm not sure. But I said, hey, man, wh- how do you feel about, and what do you think about less uh, kind of a, I think it's important for us as believers to understand some fundamentals before we even start talking about the gifts, right? And, and so uh, here, here's the thing that we're going to do today. We need, we need to understand the fundamentals of, of the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, before we grab and process and talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And so that's where I landed, okay? 
And so today, this morning, we're going to spend some time talking about that. But first and foremost, I want to take like two seconds and just pray that God's going to bless his time in his word. So let's uh, go to the Lord and pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for the time that we've already had this morning. Um, But most importantly, we ask that you teach us through your word. Lord, we, we ask that you bring us to repentance, you humble us, you show us, you open our eyes, you encourage us, you do all the things that we know that your word can do because it's living and, living and active, as the book of Hebrews says, that is sharper than a double-edged short, sword, cutting forward on offensive and, and cutting back on defense. Lord, we just ask that you bless this time and that you get the honor and glory for it. And that we grow and that we're better because of this. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the thing. Once again, I want to say this. As a church, and and I'm going to be real and honest with y'all. Is that okay? (laughs) As a church, I feel like we have idolized the spiritual gifts. The end result, rather than focusing on the fundamentals of our spiritual walk. We, we want to be seen with the gifts and the things. We want God to give us these gifts over here and we want people to see us and, and, the glory, and see right there in, in, in case in point, if that's your motive that you want to be seen, you want God to give you a gift because you want to be seen, I, there, there's, that's revealing to your heart right there. But it's almost like, and, and, and I know we may have some golf, golf players or, or whatever in here, but I know that there, there are a lot of golfers, that, or even baseball players. Baseball players spend hours working on their approach to their swing. They always go back, you look at some of, the, some of the best baseball players in the United States right now, one of the biggest things that they do is they constantly assess their swing. They're, pro, they're professionals. You would think at this time, that, but they're, they're focusing on the fundamentals. And see, I liken it to this, I, and I think about it you know, a little bit better this way too. That as, as a child at Christmas time, as a child at Christmas time, I would always bust through the doors of my grandma's house, um, especially when we would go to my dad's side of the family. She lived, my grandma lived up in Nashville, North Carolina, and we, I would bust through the doors of the house. And of course, my grandma had, had spent hours making this huge spread of food on Christmas Eve. But what did I care about as a 10-year-old kid busting through those doors? All I cared about was the present. All I cared about, well, what did grandma, what, what did mama get me this year? What, what, was it a transformer? Oh, I got a new coat, thanks, a bugle boy coat. What y'all know about bugle boy coats? Anyway, um, but, but, but that was my focus. But as I have matured as an adult, and as I've grown up, and as I've matured as, as hopefully a man, somebody may question that, but anyway, um, but, but I enjoyed the process of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And I see that eagerness in my nieces and nephews now. And of course now as I have a one-year-old Maddox, in case you haven't seen Maddox, he's wild. But um, I, I, I focused on getting to the present rather than the process of getting to the present. And I think there's some truth in that, y'all. Because as a believer, as a mature adult, as a mature believer... We didn't see the value, or, or, or we now see the value in that. See, we rush to the present, and we miss the value of the process. 
As many of y'all know, we mentioned him a while ago. Um, a lot of y'all may know me as just Maddox's dad. I, I, I am my, we have a one-year-old, my wife McKenna and I. Um, he is full of fire. Um, and we are blessed to have a son through the process of adoption. Um, and praise God that he gave me a, gave me a son through the process of adoption. Um, and we would love to share that story anytime. But this year has been interesting. We, we saw him probably within the first, few, uh, the first few months, probably about five, six months, we noticed as we held him, he would push up a lot with his legs and bounce. And we heard a lot of people saying, get ready, he's going to walk early. Get ready, he's going to walk early. Well, we thought it was going to never happen because it seemed like the process from getting him to roll over to actually pulling up um, was, was incredibly long. But once he pulled up and started to hold on to things and walk around the house and transfer between pieces of furniture, he began to start to take steps. And now we have a, a, a one-year-old that will straight just take off running and not think twice about it. And he's, uh, McKenna made the comment the other day, she's like, he's really He's faster than I realized. I was like, yeah, he can get away from me in a heartbeat. Um, little, little booger is fast. But um, that, that, is, that is the process here that we've got to realize too. And I know I've given several illustrations, but I think this is the one that hits home the most is because when we start talking about walking in the Spirit, we have to look at and realize that it's a process that we have to learn how to push up. We have to learn how to roll over. We're not a dog, but we have to learn how to roll over like a child would. And then we start pulling and kicking and using our arms and our legs and we start crawling. And then from that point, we start crawling and we start pulling up on things and we start walking. And it's almost like, a, you know, a, a, you've got to be able to roll over before you can run a 5K. And a lot of times when we start talking about spiritual gifts, we want to run the 5K without even not knowing how to set a foundation and walking in the Spirit on a daily basis. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the process. We're going to be talking about, as a follower of Christ, how we live life and walk in the Spirit. Foundationally, we have, to, we have to say this before we go any further. We have to have a life where we have repented of our sin, placed our faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then from that point, we surrender. It's not just hitting a checkbox, walking down the aisle, praying a prayer, and then walking out in the back of the church and being like, okay, I can go live ever how I want to. August 31st, 2013. I watched my wife walk down an aisle. And I use this illustration a lot. I watched my wife walk down an aisle. We proclaimed our vows in front of our family and friends. We joined in holy matrimony. And what did we do? We joined arms and we walked out the back of that church. Well, it was technically a barn, but we walked out the back of that barn. What would my wife have done? Would she still be married to me today if I'd have walked out the back of that barn, had a car ready and waiting and been like, all right, Good to know you. Peace out. I'm done. See you later. I'll check in and maybe uh, I'll check in in Christmas and Easter, maybe twice a year. See how life is going. See, I, I know now is when we get real. But I genuinely believe, y'all, that as New Life Baptist Fellowship, as a group of believers, 
if we can if we can be diligent and faithful in the fundamentals of walking in the spirit god's going to do the rest we're going we're gonna to see life lived by the Spirit. And when you live your life by the Spirit, people around you are going to want to see, going to want to know what you're doing, what, what it is, what is it about this Jesus that you have. And they're going to want to be a part of what's going on. It's a natural process. But see, today, this passage of Scripture in Galatians, we're going to be in Galatians 5. This passage of Scripture is going to push us to a probably a very uncomfortable point when we look in it if you're a youth group kid like me grew up in church you automatically may know of course the fruits of the spirit in galatians 5 22 and 23 and that lovely song that goes along with it if you're a youth group kid of the 90s what's up um but that is that's where we're going to be we're going to be and, and here's the thing too we're going to look at the whole whole passage of scripture because i genuinely believe i genuinely believe and this is important when it comes to the word of god too that context helps us define, define and determine content. So we're going to be starting in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and we're going to be going through 26. And we're going to take it one bite at a time, okay? And yeah, I'm going to be that pastor that says three words and a verse, and then I'm going to stop and talk and kind of uh, break it down a little bit. So we're going to be in Galatians 5, 16 through 17, and I'm going to start in verse 16, okay? But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When we look at this word walk right here, y'all, walk especially, and, and I'm not going to, you know, I, I do not know how to speak Greek. I just know how to, where to go to find the Greek and what the English meaning of the Greek word is. Okay? And, and it helps us understand it a little bit because the word walk right here, but I say walk by the Spirit, it's, it's actually referring to behavior or conduct. So even right out of the gate, Paul is basically giving us to the Galatians, especially, and here's the thing too, he wrote this letter to the Galatians super close. A lot of scholars say that this letter to the Galatians, these words right here that Paul penned that we so graciously have because God's faithfulness of preserving his word through history, these words were penned in 57 AD. So we're talking maybe, maybe 20 to 25, maybe 30 years and for those of y'all that really want kind of a reality check, 30 years, I'm, I'm about to turn 40 this year. 30 years was 1992. How many of y'all can remember stuff that happened in 1992? I can. I was 10 years old. A lot of stuff happened in 1990. So that's kind of the perspective right here, what's going on. So Paul was still right there, and he's writing these words, and he's encouraging the believers in Galatia, and he's saying this, and especially the area that the Galatians that he's speaking to, they're dealing with a lot of junk of the same stuff that we as Christians in America deal with today. The perversion, the constant temptations and the things of this world, the culture living in defiance. And shaking their fist angrily at God. There's a lot of that going on when Paul wrote these words in 57 AD to the church of Galatia. And he's telling them, he's saying, walk. Behavior, conduct, walk by the Spirit. And it's, it is it, making sure that behavior and conduct is going in a specific direction. So we got walk by the Spirit. Now he, he's, he, he, he then kind of... kind of brings out a, 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 an opposition of sorts. And he says, 
Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And see, the desires of the flesh are the lust for the material things. And of course, he's going to elaborate on this if any of y'all are familiar with this passage of Scripture. And we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper. But he does elaborate on it a little bit later. I want to bring this up too. Romans 8-7. We got it? Romans 8-7? Romans 8-7. I'll read it for you. It says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh, grab this, for the mind that is walking in the flesh, not walking in the Spirit, for the mind that is walking in the flesh is hostile to God. There is no, there's no middle ground here. Paul is saying to the Romans, hey, for the, man, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Kind of explains a lot of things that are going on in our culture today. All we have to do is a simple scroll through social media to see this in action. So he says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Then he goes on and he breaks this down in verse 17. He says, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit of God. So he's, he's got these two descriptions opposing each other immediately right out of the gate. And they're contrasting each other. He's saying flesh and Spirit. Flesh and Spirit. And he's saying now, let me see, sorry. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The NLT or maybe some other versions, maybe your version may say under obligation of the law. And see, that goes back, that's supporting what what Jesus said to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to him in the middle of the night, he said this, he said, you know, Rabbi, what are the greatest, what are the greatest law, what's the greatest laws and all of the, you know, of, of everything that we've learned? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, the second of these, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest of all the commands that I've written. But see, it breaks down to this, this contrast of, of, Flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. And it, and it, and it almost it goes down to this. It's, it's, it's like, which dog are we going to feed? If I had two aggressive dogs up here, whatever, kind of, whatever your favorite breed of aggressive dogs are, and, it, and I had one dog over here that I was giving water and food and nourishment to, the proper nourishment for it to continue to be a very strong dog, and the dog over here I did nothing with now. This is an example. I love dogs. Let me just be honest with you. I love dogs. Dogs are awesome. I am not a cat person. Don't even bring up the whole cat issue with me. Um, cats are, well, I won't go there because I love some of y'all and I don't want to offend y'all. Um, <clears throat> but, but if we had these two dogs here, I fed this dog over here water, food, nourishment, and I didn't feed this dog over here anything. Within 24 hours... This dog over here, which dog would be really, I mean, we know which dog would not be doing well. This dog over here would probably not even have strength to stand up. With even, even within about 24 to 48 hours. This dog over here is going to, is going to be strong, nourished, vibrant, you know, uh, have energy, those types of things. 
See, in our spiritual walk, which dog do we feed? Do we feed the dog of the flesh? Or do we feed the dog of the Spirit? Because let me just say this, when we start taking inventory of which fruits are displayed, and we talk when we start diving into what fruit is here in a minute, we're going to see real quick. You're and, and you're going to see real quick if you if you are honest with yourself and you take personal inventory, you're going to see real quick which dog you are feeding. And I'm going to tell you this: Have y'all ever seen a, a dog walker or a person where where they're walking their dog, but we know very good and well that the, the, that the dog's walking them? It's the same situation. These dogs right here are so aggressive that, that if we walk them and they're under full strength and full energy and all that, they're going to walk us. So the dog that you feed, your flesh or your spirit, is going to be the dog that walks you. Galatians 2.20 says this, and this reminds us about how we start to handle this. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, it is I who no longer lives, but it is Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I want to say this to y'all as we start to dive in and assess the fruit of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. It's one of these things of where the solution of how we handle this, and if you find yourself you know, having, where you're walking in the flesh more than you are walking in the Spirit, it's not, the solution is not for us to pit our will against the flesh. Because our will, let me emphasize that our will, because I know my Bowling Springs Southernness kind of comes out a little bit, our will, um, our will cannot, cannot win that fight alone. We have to surrender our will, our wants, our desires to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So which dog are you going to feed? Let's move on to verse 19. Verse 19, we're going to be looking 19 through 21. That's a little chunk of Scripture right here. Now the works of the flesh, and this is where we start to take inventory. And I'll say this. Please, please, please know that as these words are spoken, as this Scripture is spoken, I'm not standing here throwing stones from a platform. I want you to be aware and allow the conviction of God's Word to work in your life, if that's the case. Either or. I want you, as if it was just me and you sitting down at a table with a cup of coffee, and we're actually talking about these these words right here, I want you to take personal inventory of yourself. I want Jimmy to take personal inventory of himself. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and it's interesting right there, I want to pause, especially on that sorcery part, because we kind of when we hear the word sorcery, I think we kind of tend to go to like the Dungeons and Dragons and, and witchcraft and all that other stuff. Here's interesting, no shot against Dungeons and Dragons, I'm, you know. Um, but here's the interesting part about that word sorcery. 
It comes from a word called pharmakia. Okay? And pharmakia is where we get the notion of drug use from. Smoking weed, doing crack cocaine, meth, even prescription drugs in order to fulfill a void that the Spirit of God is supposed to fulfill in us. That pharmakia right there. That sorcery. So he says sorcery, in enmity. I have a hard time saying that word, y'all. In enmity. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dim, dim, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all these things. And all these things. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I want you guys to park out, especially on verse 21. I want you guys, and I know it's a simple two-letter word, but I want us to park on the word do right there. In verse 21, do. That do right there is what he's saying. Is Do is a regular practice or routine habit. A life built on these things is a life lived in the flesh. See, it's, it's evident that, that our flesh and the nature of our flesh without God working in us or, or, or for us or, or to us, it's evident that our flesh can only do one thing naturally. And that is rebel and shake our fist at God. And this is fruit that some people produce. And, and I want to caution you that as we navigate through the next things and as we talk about this, because I wanted to park on the fruit more than I wanted to park on the flesh because the fruit is going to help us realize we're studying uh, the original. We're studying what, by studying the fruit, we're studying what God wants us to see. And so we will know, by studying the original, we will know what the counterfeit is. And here's the thing, when we look at this stuff and you think about what's going on in the world today, you see this is really all the stuff that the world is trying to sell you in a bill of goods that, hey, this is how you find satisfaction. This is how you find fulfillment. This is how you find yourself it's all this stuff right here and i mean we can do a word study we can you know if 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 this sermon was three hours long we could do a word study on every one of these things because he has a huge list right there but it's a life built on these things that do is a life built on Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, there I go again, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these things. 1 Corinthians 6 9 says this Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived that neither the sexually immoral nor the idolaters nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. This is reinforcement for the flesh comments that Paul makes in Galatians chapter 5. Scripture interpreting Scripture. That's a tough passage of Scripture to process because our culture today, and especially the church today, only wants to park out on one segment of that verse. Homosexuality. 
But I want you guys to realize, and it's not, it's not supporting it by my comments that I'm about to say here. I am in no stance. I, I want to be very clear about that issue is that homosexuality is a sin, but also everything else that he lists right here in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 as well. It goes back to that do, what are we making a practice of? It's very clear that the flesh, the unrighteousness that we talked about within the flesh will not, will not, a life built upon these things, a life built upon the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. So now that I've sat here and basically beat y'all up with what Paul says not to do and all these negative things, I really, guys, I really, I love talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk, we're picking it up, then he shows, it's the compare and contrast, the flesh, the spirit right here, once again, we're going back to that, but now in verse 22, finally, we get a little bit of encouragement, maybe a, 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 a litmus test to, to show us what it actually looks like when we live life in the spirit. Notice this, in verse 22, it says, but the fruit of of the Spirit. For so many years, when I've read this passage of Scripture, I have skipped over that third word in that verse. And I have pluralized it. Is that a word, pluralized? Is that possible? I don't know. But I've made it plural. And I've said the fruits of the Spirit. But it's fruit. Emphasis on the singularity. The fruit of the Spirit. And here's the thing. I love this time of year, especially when you take and drive a little bit north of Bowling Springs on Highway 11, and especially over near Cooley Springs, we see tons of peach groves. We see the beautiful pink, peachy color on the tips of the trees starting to come in. And, and we you know, know that probably by mid-June, late June, early July, we're going to have us some good peaches. In my personal opinion, I believe that you don't really can eat a good peach until about after the 4th of July, around the 4th of July. But that's just my personal take. Um, but when we look at this, we see we know a peach tree is a peach tree by why? Why do we know that a peach tree is a peach tree? Because it produces peaches. Y'all ever seen a peach tree produce apples? No. Because a peach tree wouldn't produce apples. It would be known as a what? An apple tree if it produced apples. Now, I, I know there's some orange trees that are hybrids and all science is made. I get that argument. But let's just go on base principles here. Peach trees are peach trees. Why? Because the fruit of the peach tree is a peach. We know that when we walk up to the peach tree and we pluck a ripe peach off of that peach tree, and if y'all are Southern as I am, I plucked a peach tree, a peach off the peach tree. Peach tree off a peach tree? How's that possible? Uh, a peach off the peach tree, and I have had the joy of being able, and it's probably not recommended, but sinking my teeth into that delicious peach, and I taste the peach, and it's juicy and yummy and good, and I know that the peach is a peach because it came from a peach tree. It is the fruit of the peach tree. So enough talking about peaches. Let's talk about fruit of the Spirit. We are going to know that it is fruit of the Spirit because it's going to be fruit falling off of someone who is walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And once again, reminding you that the way that you walk in the Spirit is a life surrendered to Christ. That you have con confessed your sin, you have repented of your sin, placed your faith and trust in the Lord and Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. And you have surrendered a life your life to Him. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things there is no wall. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions. Ooh, there's a lot to unpack here, y'all. Y'all ready? See, this is not an effort that we can create. I want to to preface this. This is not an effort that we can create. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Okay? And here we're going to start out with the the first characteristic. Love. We love to talk about love, don't we? I think Scott, what was it last week, Scott, you made an illustration of essentially loving his socks, the way he loves his wife, those types of things. It's not the same kind of love. And I want to point to the, the fact that when we look at this love right here in Galatians 5.22, it's agape. It's the word agape. Actually, it's agapo, the neutral. But, but when we look at it, it's a godly love. Here's the interesting thing about that. The interesting thing about that is that it's the same agape that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13. See, it's a love that is only found in God. True, pure love. And I know it's very popular, especially in weddings, and we're coming into wedding season, and we're probably going to hear 1 Corinthians 13 at, at, at a wedding, if you go to a wedding, and that's all well and good because it's talking about the characteristics of what true love is and let me just say this and i will die on this hill that we do not know love without god we do not know truth without god everything that the world says is only a fabrication or a facsimile kids you can ask your parents what a facsimile is later on Um, a copy of what god has put into place so we got, we got 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, it says this, and, and it also reminds us of how important the fruit of love in the Spirit is, and especially how important it is to master or to have or to be walking in the Spirit before we get to the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong, or a clanging cymbal. I kind of dis, kind of dislike that passage because it gives a bad connotation to drummers and cymbals. Not all cymbals are noisy and clanging. It's music. Anyway, I'm kidding. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith as so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, agapo demonstrated that godly love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be up to be burned, but I have not loved, I have gained nothing. So this love that we're talking about right here, the first indication of fruit of the Spirit, love, is a godly demonstration of love. Love is kind. And we go through 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 13, 3-4, and we see kind, faithful, all those other things. We see what love is. Next thing we come to is joy. It's an inner gladness only given by God because of our salvation through Jesus Christ. Joy is not happiness. Let me say this. Joy is not happiness. Can you have happiness because of joy? Yes. Happiness is conditional. Upon circumstances, upon things. 
But joy is there in spite of circumstances. It's a sustaining hope. Then we come to peace. Peace is a oneness, a quietness, a rest, a bound together, a woven together with your belief in Christ. A peace that passes all understanding. One of the greatest times that I ever heard this or saw this demonstrated in my life, uh, I lost my grandmother when I was about uh, six, uh, six or seven years old. It was 1989, 88, 89. We had just got back. I was a drug kid. I was drugged to church every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. And we went to church downtown. And I, I came back. We came home, and my father was working late shift that day, and so he was already at the house. And as we got out of the car, my father literally busted out the front door and told us all to get back into our family car, which was a, a two-door, three-five Cutlass Calais, if y'all know what that is. Anyway, wasn't a family car at all. Um, but we get back in the car. Me and my sister cry, crawl into that back seat, um, and we make we dash to my, my grandmother's house. We get there, we see an ambulance backed up to the house. The EMTs were already in the house working on her, what was going on. I did not understand at that time because of my little brain. But my grandmother was having a massive heart attack. She was going into cardiac arrest and she later passed away. But I saw for the first time in my life that I can remember a true demonstration of peace. I love my grandfather. He was a godly man. Walked with the Lord. Taught me a lot of truths about the Lord. He was also coming from church. He actually had led choir practice at church that night. And as he pulled up on the side of the road, him seeing an a, a ambulance out in front of his house, he didn't start to freak out. He always wore a suit to church. May not have always been the best suits, but he had a suit on that night. And I remember him getting out of the truck, and he, always, he, was, he was from the generation where the men always wore hats. And he always had kind of a derby hat with him. Not a derby hat, but anyway, kind of a fedora style hat. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. And so he had the coat draped over his arm, and he walked, got out of his truck, and he started walking into the house, calm, cool, collected. And I genuinely believe by the time he got to the bottom of the steps and walking into the house, he knew and understood what was going on, that the Lord was calling my grandmother home. That was the first time I ever saw peace demonstrated in my life as a child. See, that peace that we're talking about is that peace that passes all understanding. And see, Jesus reminds, reminds us of this peace in John 16, 33, and it says this, I have said these things that you, uh, said the, these things to you, that in me you may have peace, that oneness, that interwoven, that one of the greatest things that we can worry about is death and separation from God, and that's already been handled on the cross. So that peace is what he's talking about right there. That peace. And in the world you may have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So that's what peace is. The patience that he talks about right there, that long-suffering, that constant, steadfast, enduring, no matter what. Here's where it hits home for me. That long-suffering is waiting patiently or waiting a long time before truly expressing anger or frustration. Now this is fruit of the Spirit. Okay? The second thing, the, the kindness that we come to is a good, useful, helpful, gentle, considerate in all circumstances. Uh, the goodness that we talk about there is full of virtue and excellence, a good heart, a behavior, a quality person, a person that does not take advantage of others or let others be taken advantage of. That'll preach right there. We can sit right there and have a whole sermon on that one. Faithfulness. 
Let me say this. Ephesians 2 tells us that faith is always a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Faithfulness is a gift from God. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And so when we look at it, it's, it's one of those things that it can't be produced by people. See, for a believer, faithfulness is, is God's divine persuasion. But from the human side, it's confidence. A lot of people say that. Then we go on to gentleness and meekness. Gentle, humble, mild, considerate. Here's the big thing about meekness. Meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. And I know y'all probably may have heard that. Meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. And then we get to self-control. Control of body submitting to the will of God. Walking in the Spirit. Dying to yourself daily. Galatians 2.20 Those are the fruit of of the Spirit. So Galatians 5.25 says this. And I love this part. Because I get to give you all a nerd illustration here in a minute. It says, if we walk by the Spirit, if we walk or if we live by the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we're going to walk by the Spirit, let us also keep in step. Many of y'all know me from maybe my high school years. I had the privilege of marching on the Bowling Springs drum line, uh, March snare all four years. Um, it was fun. One of the funnest times of my life. Yes, band kids are weird, but we're our own special kind of weird. Okay, And I would say that, that I was a cool part of that weird. I'll admit, band kids are weird. I was weird, okay? But one of, the, one of the things, one of the principles about marching band is what? That all members of the marching band are constantly, when they play the music or when they come down the Highway 9 or at a parade, they're constantly in step. And as, as a member of the drum line, one of the things that we always did was we never moved as, as an individual, we had six snares, five six snares, three tenors, five bass drums, cymbal players. That unit right there never moved individually. We always moved together, whether it was by cadence or what we call tapping. Okay? And tapping was where we would set up essentially in a, in a block, and we would move as a block. So you'd have snares, you'd have the tenors, you'd have the bass drums, or maybe the cymbal somewhere in the between. It's been 20 years. I've forgotten it, all the whole thing. But we would, in, in order to make sure we were in step... The drum captain would just take his two sticks. And of course, the, the, the hardware on the, the snare drum was all aluminum. And so when you take wooden, wood and hit it with aluminum, it makes a wonderful tick sound that, that is very distinctive. And when I hear it today, I know exactly what it is. But the captain, the, the instructors would call the whole unit when we were moving together. They would call us all to set, which would be we would be in preparation. Sticks down by our side. Everybody facing ahead, not looking around, attentive, ready to go. And then we would hear three clicks on the snare drum, or four clicks, or whatever. It would be this. It would go. We get four. We get four. <clears throat> I promise you I'm about to turn 40. Sorry, y'all. Just to be obvious here. But we'd get four clicks, and then he would, he would give a series of three clicks in... in, in in, in a periodic rhythm. So it, it would just basically be one, two, three, four, uh, uh, uh. 
and he would call us to move forward and the whole unit would move forward. That and and yes, I just didn't do that stupid illustration right there for 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 any reason because that walking in step is what Paul is talking about right here. That you are not just walking in step with nothing, you are walking in step by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And the way that we keep in step with the Spirit is by spending time in His Word on a daily basis. Finding time. You will make time for the things that are a priority to you. And if Christ is doing a work in your life, you will make a priority out of these things. Prayer. Fellowship with other believers. Sharing your faith. Those things. That's walking in the Spirit. But here's the truth about it all. We can't manufacture these things. This is only the work of God in us. And in order to produce this fruit, we must be connected to the vine. John 15, 1-8 says this. And I love this because I think personally that Paul was thinking about this lesson from Jesus when he was writing the believers in Galatia. John 15, 1-8 says this, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, He prunes that may bear more fruit. So if you look at your life and you assess that maybe you, some of the fruit that we've talked about isn't, ask the Lord to prune it so that better fruit may be bearing. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Underline that, y'all. Unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown thrown away like a branch that withers. And the branches that are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I'm sorry, I'm going to pause real quick because that is one of the verses that is taken extremely out of context. Now you know the context of that verse. I'll carry on. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. As we come to faith, as we surrender our lives to Christ, we repent of our sin, place our faith in Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. He has grafted us into the vine. If y'all have ever looked at how a a farmer, I don't know the correct phrase for a person that tends to a vineyard, vineyard worker, whatever, how they graft, and some of y'all may know, maybe some of y'all do grafting, because y'all have plants and gardens and stuff. But the way grafting, in my understanding, is that there has to be a portion of the main vine that's cut into to allow the, the, the piece that's being attached to to grow into. So there has to be a cutting of the main vine, but then also a cutting away of the piece that's being attached. And then they take some tape or something and, and, and secure the vine. And then before you know it, a couple months, a couple weeks, whatever passes by, and you walk and you check on that, that, that vine that's been grafted into the main 
vine and you can see it's grown together. It's gaining its nutrients, its well-being, its life from the vine. This fruit of the Spirit is not produced by ourselves. This fruit of the Spirit is only present if we are attached to the vine. So where are you this morning? As you look over that list of the flesh, do you find yourself chasing after those things? Desiring those things more than you desire the Spirit? As the band comes up, I want to I want to close with this illustration. If y'all were a kid of the '80s like I was, I grew up in the '80s. Y'all y'all probably had that elderly person that you knew that you would always go visit at Christmas time, or even your grandma, or your grandpa, that would have that display bowl of fruit on the table, right? Well, silly me, being a little kid that I was, always looking to get my hand on a banana or an apple or whatever. Let's just be honest. I made the mistake, I remember one time, it was my ne- the neighbors to my grandma and grandpa, we went over there and I saw this beautiful bowl of fruit on her dining room table. And I was like, oh, I'll sneak and get a piece real quick while nobody's looking. Maybe I can eat that apple in the bathroom or whatever. <laughs> I reach up there and I grab it, not thinking anything of it, and, and I'm just not looking. And I take and I sink my, my teeth into that piece of fruit And I quickly find out that it's not a piece of fruit. It's a piece of wax, styrofoam, I don't know what that is. And so what do I do? I I quickly spit it out. But if that was a real piece of fruit, I would have enjoyed it. I would have tasted the apple, the texture. I would have had the juices and those things. And see, that's, that's one of the big indicators too of when we're pressed, when we're tried, when we experience trials in our life, when things are kind of going crazy in our life, we're getting cut, whatever. We really start to see our fruit in our life. And here's the thing, with a real orange, if I had a real orange, I wanted to do this, but, but for the sake of time, if we had a real orange up here today in my hand, and if I were to cut that orange, immediately I would have the juice running down the orange in my hand. And if I pressed and squeezed that orange right here on stage, the juice would flow out from an orange. I want to say to to the believer maybe that's in here this morning, the trial that you may be going through may be a pressing, a pressing, not oppressing, a pressing of your fruit so that others that are looking into your life and seeing your life may be able to see the juice of Jesus Christ pouring out of you. On the contrast, maybe maybe you don't have that fruit. And when you're pressed, and everybody knows what happens when you press styrofoam, it just crumbles. But that fake fruit that was on that table, if you were to press one of those apples, it would have just dented and crumbled and you would immediately know that it was fake. The only way that we walk in the Spirit, the only way that we produce fruit in our life is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only way, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is what Jesus said. The only way that we have a relationship with Him 
It's through repenting of our sin and placing our faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then God gives us the Holy Spirit and he enables us a comforter to navigate life and, and that comforter begins to produce this fruit in us. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. So if it was just me and you in this room tonight or this, this morning, would you be honest with yourself and, and talk to me and tell me about what kind of fruit you're producing? Maybe you are producing fruit and you need to ask the Lord to kind of prune some, some limbs on you and help you be better in the area of faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Maybe you're taking inventory right now and you're going, man, I'm, I'm not producing fruit of the, the Spirit, but I'm producing fruit of the flesh. Then I would say this, because you are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ to repent of your sin today, tonight, right now, place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can have that comforter to produce that fruit of the Spirit in you. Now is that time. Today is that time. I don't know where you're at. If you need to talk to Austin or Scott, wherever he is, I'll be standing down here too. But we're going to be singing and we're going to just spend this time. I want you to assess the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of the flesh. What are you producing? Where are you at? And really, honestly, if we were to take, and I challenge athletes with this all the time, if I were to take your three closest friends and put them in a room and ask them what kind of fruit that, that you produce, what would they say? Just based off the, the fruit that you've dropped in your life, the juice that you've left behind. Lord, thank you for this time and thank you for your word. And Lord, I just ask that you would use this time as we spend. Lord, that only your spirit can draw and convict and, and draw to you, Lord. But God, we thank you for this assessment that we've been able to look, and that we've been able to ask some tough questions to ourselves this morning. Are we producing that love? that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that faithfulness, that gentleness, and self-control. Because Lord, we have to have the foundation before we can start to talk about the special things that you've given us to encourage the body and also to proclaim the gospel, those gifts. God, we thank you for, for glorifying your name through the teaching of your scripture. And we give you all the honor and glory for it. And we ask this in Jesus' name.